and less despair. More hope and less despair. That's the title of my talk this morning. My name is Sven. My wife Amber is here in front. We love volunteering here at Christ the King, Sudden Valley here in Bellingham, Washington. What a good place. We love meeting in the dance barn. This is a good place. Thank you guys for being here this morning. And um, this topic has been a topic just in my heart all year long for a couple of years now. I'm probably lifelong. I mean, this is a major topic of the Bible. It's kind of like, uh, it's, a, it's like a core tenet of the Bible. And so you could, we could essentially preach or give Jesus talks about hope pretty much every weekend for the rest of time. And we could find new ways of describing that. But, but I, I just, um, th this has just been a super important thing in my heart these days. And, uh, um, a lot of times I'll feel like, I wonder, like, God, like, I sure, I sure, I would love to live a life with less of that anxiety that I feel, that just kind of like over-caffeinated thing that just stares at my to-do list and, um, and, and just kind of my mind is racing about all these things I would like to accomplish, things I would like to do, can't really fall asleep. It's like, and, uh, and I, and I sometimes wonder, like, God, Jesus that hope that I know is available, could I get more of that? I want more of that hope. And, and I know we have small-scale things like I'm describing, but we live on a planet and in our lives. We have friends and our families and our own lives, like people walking through heavy, heavy stuff. So much heavy stuff, the stuff that only Jesus can carry. And, and I look at that, and a part of me just wants to ignore that stuff, right? Because it's like, well, that is so beyond my pay grade. I just like... Like, it's kind of like there's surrender where you give it to Jesus and there's like give up, like whatever, I can't even deal. Um, and, uh, and I think, to, and, I, and I long for the day when I could have that kind of hope that is willing to carry that tiny smidge that maybe I'm meant to carry and just, get, and just offer that to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've got to bring hope. You've got to bring uh, impossible hope. And, I, and we need a hope that it has a certain amount of grit, don't we? We need a hope that can meet us in real life. Life feels hopeless sometimes. So I just want to pray that in these next moments um, that, that we would experience hope, even in these, in, even as I'm talking for these next moments, that we would experience hope building in our hearts again, and, uh, and that we would respond to the invitation, the source, the source of our hope, who is Jesus. I just want to pray this. Jesus, you are our living hope. Rem remind us of who you are. Remind us of what you're like. Thank you for chasing after our hearts. Thank you for loving us right where we're at. You are the anchor of our soul. Your hope anchors us, Jesus. We need that. We, I'm, we're thankful for that. Amen. 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 As many of you know, if you've heard me give a Jesus talk before, a part of my, the joy of giving a Jesus talk for me is it, it gets me to read books that I've been meaning to read, and then I just cannot get myself to read them. But then if I have to give a Jesus talk, or I, I get the privilege of giving a Jesus talk, I suddenly am like, okay, I'm going to do it. And half the time I'll do audiobook because I've got to do other stuff. And I was cranking through an audiobook uh, on my list this week. I actually got through, got through like uh, quite a bit of content this week just because I, not because I wanted to, um, just because it's a part of the joy of preparation for a talk like this. And, 
And I, and I heard, I was listening to this Old Testament scholar. He's kind of super, a little academic-y. It's a book that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to everyone. Um, it's called Reality, Grief, and Hope. Uh, it's it's by, by three urgent prophetic tasks. It's by this Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann, real academic-y dude. But he said this phrase that, that just seemingly offhand comment that made me go what wait wait and I got to pull my phone out reverse 30 seconds oh wait that's not far enough reverse 30 seconds on my audible app reverse and then I tried to hear I was like wait I need to hear that again and this is what it said he said despair often leads to moralism hedonism and violence and I was like wait what moralism hedonism and despair so the opposite of hope despair and uh and then this is something that after thinking about it and and praying about it uh i came up with and it was just that despair often places trust in self because i was trying to go well, well what is the what connects moralism hedonism and violence what connects just like legalism and rule following to the nth degree kind of blown out of out of proportion hedonism just going after pleasure short-term gratification just addiction stuff any way to get some sort of tunnel vision um violence uh and what is this loss of perspective and, it, and I really do believe that it's, it's this lie of the enemy that builds in our heart that says, I'm on my own. It's all up to me. I've got to look out for myself. I've got to earn my own way. And so that's the rule. I mean, boundaries are good, right? Um, pleasure comes from God. And defending justice and standing up for those without a voice, like that's important, right? But what happens when we leave God out of the picture and it's all about us how can I follow enough rules how can I go get enough pleasure how can I how can I tell people or show people what's right with and when it's all up to us this exaggerated emphasis on too much too much of something it's all about self and trust in God breaks all of that. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 through 10. Uh, I want to read that here in a moment. If you're new to Christianity, you'll hear me read from the, from the Christian Bible a lot. In, in Christianity, this is our sacred text, the Christian Bible. And, and the, our Bible is evidence that, Je that Jesus, the living word, has been alive and at work, that God has been alive and at work through history with the church and so when we read it we're dialoguing with with um actual human authors who wrote this but we're inspired by the holy spirit and then through history the church believed wait a second there's more to it than just some great christian writing this we can we can hear that god's voice the very living god is being spoken is we're hearing from the living god and so that's when I read from the Bible, that's what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 through 10, this is a, a Paul that letter wrote to the church in Corinth. It says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. They're talking about modern-day Turkey. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired, oh, there's that word, despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt as if we received the sentence of death. Now this is, and then this next part is where I want to be like Paul, because listen to what Paul says. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Because everything I was talking about, that, that hedonism, that moralism, that violence, that's relying on self. But Paul gets in this crazy situation and he says, and he has this focus on how Jesus has conquered death and how, how Jesus has made a way for change to be possible. And this is what he says. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. See, underneath underneath so many of our fears is just this fear that what if this spiral of despair that this world is in, what if there's no way out? What if change isn't possible? What if death wins? Death doesn't win. Easter Sunday in the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus was this moment where God conquered death in this physical world and it was beyond just Jesus being able to hang out with people and be like, oh, see, I told you I was going to be raised, I was, I was going to be raised from the dead, and look, here I am. It was Jesus conquering all of death for all of time, and it wasn't just so human beings could be raised from the dead. It was so that the entire universe, the entire creation could be re, it could be regenerated because, you know, if you study science for very long, you'll hear about like the second law of thermodynamics and that just this entire world that we live in is just slowly running out, right? Everything, if you, everything is just running out of energy, running out. But Jesus is, Jesus, our living God is able to reverse that. And Paul in his mind is go, says, deep in his heart, he goes, God, you are, you have conquered death. And yes, I am in, I am in despair, but you have conquered death. My next point is about hope. When I think about hope, I think of it as like confidence, right? Confidence that good stuff is going to happen, right? It's kind of like a positive mental attitude. But it's got to be more than that, right? And it, and it has to be, and I love information. I love living in the information age that, you know, I love how you can do online research and I can, I can order way too many books from Amazon and they just show up at my door and I can, you know, and I can, you know, all these different ways that I can find resources and I can have certainty about so many things and have opinions about so many things. But is that hope? And are we as Christians called to have like certainty about everything? And I, and I know as Christians, uh, we hear things like, well, we do have a cohesive worldview. We do have a way of thinking about all things because of the reality of Jesus in our lives. But I wonder this, are we supposed to know everything? Are we supposed to have a take on everything? I don't know. I don't think so. And I think we have evidence of that in Scripture. It says, and my point, my point that I want uh, to, you all to write down, for those of you who love to take notes, uh, hope isn't certainty about everything. Hope is certainty about a few things. It's not certainty about everything. It's certain to be certainty about Jesus. Hope is, but, and hope is full of curiosity. 
And uh, I want to read this, read this verse from Mark's gospel, chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. He says, this is what Jesus speaking. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, and whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. That this is what the kingdom of God is like. That there's there's miraculous, mysterious stuff going on that we don't understand. We don't know in full. There'll be a day when Jesus makes all things right at the end of time when we finally get complete clarity from God. But in the meantime, we are actually not meant to know everything, and that's a little scary for us um, as Christians. I growing up, I always wanted to defend the Christian faith as best I could. You know, I wanted to, there's even that verse that says, you know, be ready to, to, if anybody asks about the hope that you have in Jesus, be ready with, in a gentle way to, to describe that hope that you have. But I didn't feel it that way. I felt like I got to know all the Jesus stuff and I got to know all the Bible verses because they can't, there can't be any mystery that's got to all be laid out because I got to be the answer guy because I'm a Jesus guy. But here we have Jesus saying, you know what? The kingdom of God is like someone who doesn't know everything. What? That's a verse that doesn't get preached very often. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And I don't think it's saying, oh, don't use your mind. Don't, like, like don't, um, because the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we also see in 1 Corinthians 13 in the love chapter, it says this, for now, right now, we see only reflection as in a mirror. But then in the future, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Now I know some things. But then in the future, I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Another example of, of Paul saying, you know what? I don't know everything. There's mystery. And... Uh, and I love, the, I love when we allow for mystery and awe in our walk with Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, be like a child. One of my favorite new books, I read this this week. And right now, in this moment, this is my favorite book. It's called Surprise by Paradox, The Promise of And in an Either-Or World. Jen Pollock, uh, I don't know how to, how to pronounce her last name. I'm just going to say Mitchell. Um, she's an author and a thinker and, a th and writes a lot of stuff about Christian theology. But her, she really writes for an, for an audience that may or may not know Jesus. I love that posture that she has in her writing. And, um, and she talks about how when we retain mystery, when we retain this concept of there might be things that feel like a paradox in Christianity that feel, wait, how can this be completely true and this could be completely true at the same time, right? How is it that, how is it that God is one, but wait, God is three persons? How is it that, like, and you know, you can just go down a huge list of, like, how is it that it's only by grace that we're saved? It's only by receiving this free gift um, that we walk in that love that God, but then at the same time, God calls us to respond with action, respond. Like, there's just moment after moment where it's like, well, wait, what are you saying, Jesus? What is the Bible saying? And so on any given Sunday, it can be really 
challenging to give a Jesus talk because you're like, well, I don't want to overemphasize the one because it's like there's always like this other side of it. There's always this thing. and stuff. But when we retain the mystery and we just go, you know what? God's ways are, are, are beyond us. And God, God gives us just enough. God gives us just enough so that we know that we, what we need to know. So we can be certain about just enough. Hope anticipates good gifts from God. The word hope, I think, is kind of a tired word in a lot of ways. It's like so overused, and it's such a core concept. It is um, used all the time in just regular life, right? I hope this happens. I hope that happens. Uh, but uh, it's kind of a tired term. I think it helps to get new ways of thinking about it new words to, to, to help us describe what hope means. What if it means anticipation? Anticipating God's goodness. What if it's joyful expectancy? Um, the Bible has all kinds of stuff about gratitude. Gratitude looks back, right? You remember all the stuff that, um, all these good things that God has done. You're, you have a thankful heart for the past. I like to think, uh, and I'm sure I've stole this from someone at some point, but um, I can't remember where I got this, but that maybe, maybe hope is kind of like gratitude toward the future. It's like thanking God, in it, thanking God in advance for what God is gonna do because we believe that God is gonna continue to be God and continue to be a good God. So it's like, it's like instead of thankfulness toward the past, it's thankfulness pointed at the future. Hope anticipates 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 says this. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I've thought about this sometime. Like, what kind of financial number would it take for me to just kind of like feel a little more chill? Like, what would the literal bank account number be? Like, for me to just kind of go, okay, I can chill out. Like, I can finally not be full of anxiety. Wonder what that number is. But the Bible tells us that don't put your hope there. No matter what you imagine that number might be. Like, what number of investments would it take? What number of, what would it, like, what, to where we could finally just feel at peace about, well, whatever happens, things will be, we'll, we'll make it through. It's like, and, and, and we're encouraged to not put our hope there. It says, in verse 17, it says, but to put their hope in God who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Every good gift comes from our Heavenly Father. We have joyful expectancy instead of dread about the next morning. We look forward to the next adventure. I feel overwhelmed sometimes. And it's easy to just kind of just feel dread about the responsibilities that we need to face. Or I don't feel like I have an, am I enough for the task? Am I, and it's, and, and Jesus, we find again and again is like, no, we're not enough. In Jesus, Jesus is enough. Hope matters in eternity. Hope matters in eternity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse uh, 3, 2 and 3, and then I'll skip all the way to the end of the chapter to verse 13. It says this, if I have the gift of prophecy, I mean, a really simplistic 
uh, definition of prophecy is it's either foretelling, like telling you what's going to happen in the future, or it's forth telling, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's speaking truth that you may or may not want to hear. So, but if I have the gift of prophecy, like I would, how cool would it be if you just had a voice that just, to, that just was all-knowing and just spoke truth? Now, I kind of have that. I'm married, so like uh, I have this person who can speak truth. Um, but how, how cool would it be if you had a person who could foretell, like this is going to happen, this is, and so you need to be ready for this, you need to put this extra thing in your lunchbox, you need to, uh, you know, whatever it is, how cool would it be to have that prophecy? Or how about this, or can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge? You'd have quite the YouTube following if you could just crank all that out. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, I like that, but do not have love, I am nothing. Okay, this entire chapter is about love. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so, you know, you can, you can be like super fit, like Olympic athlete level fit. You can be giving in, in extreme ways to those who are in need. End of the chapter, but if you don't have love, what's it all about? And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so this passage we hear at weddings, we also hear, I've preached it before, I've, I've read this here in this room, when I'm talk, giving a Jesus talk about love, but what, what, what did it just say? Faith, hope, and love. Faith almost always comes with an action. Faith, if you look to Hebrews chapter 11, it has this big laundry list of all these people from the Old Testament and how they walked out their faith. Faith is like, it's something deep inside of you, but it always has an action with it. Hope is how you spend, your, how you spend the bandwidth of your mind. Hope is like where your mind is. Uh, it's the soundtrack playing in our heads. I, I love that how Jason last week was talking about what's the soundtrack playing in your mind. And love is in our hearts. And love, this love that's in our hearts, it informs our mind, informs our action. But they all work together. And so many times, doesn't it feel like our minds are either like lethargic, like, man, how many cups of coffee do I need today? Like kind of lethargic or, or just like, like racing, just like runaway train. It's just like, what is going on? Do I like, do I need to just go take a shower? Like I just, like what, like what is like, why can't I just slow down? Like why, why is it that my mind pendulum swings? And I, and I, and I ask God, you know, like, man, I want you to protect my mind. I want, I want my mind, uh, I want to think on eternal things. I want to think about things that matter in the long term. Hope protects your mind. So we've got the stuff we're doing is our faith. We've got how we're thinking is in our mind. Our heart full of love informing all of it. We're living our life. We're falling down. We're making mistakes. We're messing up, trying to get back to that hope, trying to get back to that faith, trying to get back to that love. And I wonder, how is God going to protect our minds? Because our minds, it seems, it seems they need protection from God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 
verse 8. Another, another book written by Paul to the church in Thessalonica. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Ah, oh, love as a, as a breastplate, protecting your heart. Faith and love. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation as a helmet. I was talking to our, my neighbor Ryan Burge, and he has these motorcycle stories from his childhood where he's living on the farm in Minnesota and riding his motorcycle without a helmet. And he, and he you know, just because no one wore helmets back then, and he's just telling these stories of uh, just like, oh, man. And it's like he'll tell the entire story, and then at the very end I'll ask, and you didn't even have a helmet on, right? And he's like, no, we didn't have helmets back then. And, it, and it's uh, a part of the, I think about helmets from time to time. Uh, we, for Amber's work, a part of the time now we live, we're living both, we're living in Tacoma a part of the time now in this season. And uh, this season of life. And we live really close to this, it's called Rustin Way. And it's along the water where the, where all these people are on bikes and skateboards and and these scooters that are electric powered and the scooters all say like must be 18 years old and have a helmet of course you know no one has a helmet like and there these things are just people are just flying on these things just and everyone ha you know half the people have a dog and it's not like every dog is is just perfectly obedient and stays in the perfect place and just all these scooters like swerving in and out of people and I'm always telling Tenzin and Vesper my kids it's just like okay you need to stay stay predictable like don't get scared last minute and just like decide to like run off the like you know it's kind of like when you're snowboarding or skiing and it's like don't just suddenly go to the trees like you've got to like ease your way toward the trees you're going to get especially if you're going slow and uh and so i'm always i'm always thinking about helmets and i've i've not seen i'm trying to think i've not seen a major accident but i've seen some close calls in these in these days but i love how in the bible it describes this hope of salvation as a helmet hope of salvation as a helmet because death has been conquered by Jesus. There's a grand reversal in the universe. Change is possible. Regeneration is possible. And because of Jesus, the universe no longer has to spiral into chaos. And hope is confidence in a person. It's not just a bunch of impersonal philosophies. I know I'm kind of hitting you with a bunch of ideas this morning, but it's beyond those ideas, right? Because hope is a person. The same way that love, the source of all love, is Jesus. Jesus said, I loved you first. The source of every good gift is Jesus. And so it, it's, it doesn't, t it makes sense to say that Jesus hoped first. Jesus had faith first. Because, and Jesus is love. Jesus is hope. Jesus is faith, is the essence of that thing. Romans 15 verse 13 says this may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and as I was thinking about hope I just I was reminded oh I want to fall in love with Jesus again like Jesus chases after my heart Jesus Jesus 
uh, goes after my heart, and I, and I, and I, I want to know Jesus once again. I want to choose to receive that gift once again. And, and when I think about eternity, I, I want to be open with Jesus about my doubts about eternity, about like, uh, like Jesus, like, am I worth knowing in eternity? And are you, is, can I trust you that eternity is good? That, can I trust that you making this new heaven and new earth, that you making, like, I know you made this world we live in, and I love this world we live in. I love Sudden Valley. I love that fog over the lake in the morning. I love so many things about just nature around us. I love, uh, so I could just, you know, I could just list hundreds of things that I love about this life, but there's so much I don't know. There's so much mystery about eternity. And I feel like, and it takes a lot of trust to go, Jesus, I trust you with eternity. I know you are creator of this world that I love. And so, I tr it's a process of going, God, I, I trust you. I trust that you have good things in store in eternity. I trust that you have good things in store for this world. But I get worried. Am I allowed to be honest with Jesus? Am I allowed to really tell it like it is? And that's what I love about the Bible. The book of Psalms is full of prayers and songs to God that none, most of us would never say out loud in church unless we said ahead of time, um, I'm reading the Bible, so, you know, I get a get out of jail free. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just reading what it says, you know. But the, the, the book of Psalms is full of stuff where you're like, what? Did they just say that? The book of Lamentation, what? People crying out to God saying, God, where are you? Like, what is up with you? Like, why, where have you been? Can I even trust you? Can I, are you worth believing? Can you, I feel this way. I feel, look what's happened to me. Like, it feels as if the calamity of my life, it's almost like you made it happen, God. And these, this, the Bible's full of this. And I was, tr I was trying to think, okay, what passage of scripture do I, out of the whole Bible, do I use to, to kind of just give an example of that? And uh, a book I was looking at um, was making reference to Psalm 22 again and again. And then when I opened up Psalm 22, it started like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's what Jesus said on the cross, right? Jesus said, Jesus said, people remember uh, as a kid, uh, you, uh, for some reason, that passage would, would, was read a lot to me as a kid. And it, I re what, remembered, what I remember is that whole like, Eloi, Eloi, like, oh, he's, 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 people thought he was like calling for Elijah to save him or something, right? But come to find out, he was quoting Psalm 22. And I've heard, I've heard Bible teachers say, preach over the years, that it's very likely, one, that, that, a young, that a, in the Jewish faith, because you would pray the Psalms so often, it was very normal to have huge passages of the Psalms memorized. And if anybody would have had Psalms memorized, it's likely that Jesus, the, like, like this person full of prayer, it's likely that Jesus had it memorized. And so even though it, we only have Jesus saying that first verse of Psalm 22, it's very likely that he was meditating on that entire chapter as he died. 
And it's, that, that would be something to read at home, Psalm 22. It's easy to remember because Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that, that's like the most, most famous psalm of all time, right? It's on the plaque at grandma's house. And so right before Psalm 23, Psalm 22, when you're trying to remember, what was that psalm that Sven was talking about? It's on the same page, right before Psalm 23. Uh, and this morning, I want to end with this. It's like, do we have unfinished business with Jesus? Do we, have we, are we like roommates that used to get along, that decided to live at the same place, but like at, we're, we're at the point to where it's like, you write your name on your stuff in the fridge. Like, like just, I hope, I, maybe I might see you. <laughs> like, have we, be, do we have like an unhealthy roommate situation with God? Like, are, somewhere along the way, did we decide, yeah, I'm in this with you, God, but like, let's not, like, the, but the conversation ended at some point. And so, do we have an unfinished conversation this morning? Do we have a conversation that, where God's like, not angry at us, not, not bummed out, but just, it's like, oh, I'm just ready to hear just what's on your heart whenever you're ready. Like, just, and I think, um, Jesus is saying that to us this morning of just like, I'm ready to hear your heart. I'm ready to hear where you're really at. Like, not the impressive you, like the real you. Like, just tell me where you're really at. Jesus, that is an invitation from Jesus. Also, just the, the fear, the fear of the enemy of our soul, the fear of death, the fear that, that, um, that, that, that Jesus somehow, that just, that that just that doubt about life that is available in Jesus and Jesus just like we don't have to be we don't have to fear everything in this world that is telling us that it's ending in calamity that that that, that there is life available in God and that God will make all things right and sometimes it feels like do I have to just smile and just be more positive I don't think so I don't think so. I think um, there, there is, there's a confidence, like a, like a quiet confidence available in Jesus. And also, I think, you know, there's different personality types, but like for me, I get really worried about rest. Like anytime I rest and I'm not getting stuff done, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure that God doesn't love me quite as much you know, it's like that God isn't quite as happy with me as man. Because when I'm getting stuff done and getting my Jesus talk together, I'm like, oh, Jesus must love me today. You know, I don't say it out loud, but like deep inside, I'm like, oh, I must be closer to God today. It's not how it works. There's a major passage about hope being our anchor. I was trying to think what some of the things an anchor does. An anchor anchors a boat so the boat can just rest. And maybe Jesus wants to give you rest this morning. Maybe you need hope as an anchor. Yes, there's, there are moments to go forward. There are moments to take action of faith, to, 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 to put action with this love that God's placed in us. And so I'm hoping that somewhere in that list, there's something in you that goes, oh yeah, something, something that the Holy Spirit highlighted to you. And I just want to just pray that over you. And worship team, you can come up. And I just, just be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged because Jesus is hope 
And Jesus is a person that wants relationship with you, that wants connection with you. Jesus is our hope this morning. Jesus has every good gift available for you this morning. I just want to pray that over us. Jesus, we give you our despair. And Jesus, our despair doesn't scare you. You're not, you're not freaked out by our grief and our lament and our what could easily look like negativity. You're not afraid. You're not afraid of the real us. And we, I pray this morning that your hope, Jesus, would be, would be poured over our minds especially. That, that, and, and we would be able to, to rest and have rest at night and, and, and be able to fall asleep resting in your presence, God, waking up without despair in our hearts, waking up with expectancy and anticipation of your good gifts in the day. I pray for new adventure in our hearts. I pray that you would be the daydream of our soul, God, that we would, connectedness to you would be in us. Jesus, bring hope, more hope, hope that's greater than our despair. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's worship.